Hello and welcome to episode 67 of Q&A Quest. I'm your host, Mike Apps, a.k.a. Wheels, and with me as always... David McBurney, Family Master, not quippy enough to come up with a joke right now. And your, reg- your semi-regular, just for this month, I think, um, guest host, Michael Baker, Gaiji Monogatari from Japan. I, I still don't know what my schedule is going to be starting next month, so, yeah. Well, we will uh, abuse your schedule as long as we can. You're a regular as long as you're willing to put up with us and have the time. <laughs> hey, I, I survived last week's incredibly rambly post-Daylight um, Savings Time episode. What did we even talk about? Yeah, that was, we talked about everything except video games. We talked about cars. <laughs> yes. That happened. Yeah, it, was, it had to be like the least focused... Q&A quest I have ever sat in on, and that is saying a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's probably a fair point. We've also, like, failed to allow a guest to speak. <laughs> oh. Okay, next. Yeah. Hello? John? Yes, it's yes, you. It's you. <laughs> yeah, it's you. <laughs> I was a joke. Uh, Jonathan Stringer. Uh, sometimes go by the handle J Mustang 1968. I'm making my Q return. Is this like my third show I've done? I think it's fourth, the third, third one. We've definitely third been on fourth. one before, but I'm not sure if you've done a. S- I've okay. done at least two. So okay. this would be number three. Anyway, nice to meet you because I don't think we've ever actually talked to each other before. I don't think so. Maybe on the uh, Slack channel or the forums, but. Yeah, but, well, that's typing at each other. I'm mean, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And I think. First time we're talking, and I think Wheels is the only person from here I've actually met in person. That's true. Well, you're... I've only ever actually met one person from RP Gamer in the flesh, and that was for like five minutes to exchange DVDs and video games. <laughs> yeah, it was about fifteen. The only reason the nerds ever congregate. Yeah, <laughs> that was just that was just because um, I don't think anyone remembers Nice, but when he. Um, he was the only guy I know of on the site who's actually from my hometown. So it was just kismet that we were able to do any sort of exchange. Was he the one from Oklahoma? Yep. Okay, yeah. Same I think here. I bought some from him, too. Double two of us. Nice. What, uh, yeah, how, where'd he go? You kept in touch with uh, him at all? Um, no, actually, I don't, didn't even notice when he stopped working at the site. Um, <laughs> of course, that goes for a lot of people. It's like I would turn around and was like, hey, where did Maxime go? He he hasn't been here for like six months. Wow. Okay. I need to pay attention to the music corner more often. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but to round out the question, I have met Wheels long enough to assault him and then left. True story. <laughs> it's okay. He got me back. I think that was at that may have been at the same PAX I met John because that's when we went. Oh really? It may have been. That's when we went to play uh, Final Fantasy 15. Yeah, I think that was 2015 PAX. Oh, then it was the year after. Oh, the year after, okay. Well, if if anybody wants to come over and visit TGS sometime, I can probably maybe swing by and show you guys around, maybe, if I have a good excuse. Um, yeah. It's kind of a I'll pencil that in for the end of my five-year plan. <laughs> <laughs> I think oh, it was 2000. This was even less video game related than usual. <laughs> oh, well. Hey, what, we mentioned video game conventions. It's yeah, true. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. It's true. It's true. We are ahead of the game. So. <laughs> okay. 
So, do we have any questions today? We do. I'm going to say yes, because Budai is always good about this. He is pretty good. So we'll start with his. I put out a request, a live request on Twitter for fresh questions, and we already have at least one. Cool. So there's oh, that. Man. But we'll start with good old reliable Budai, uh, who says, if you had to give each Ninja Turtle a typical RPG class, what would you choose? The real question is, if Raphael is a tanky or more agile class, Donatello would be like Jeff from Earthbound? Question mark. Hmm. Okay. Well, Leonardo is like straight up samurai to begin For sure. with. I mean, there's not much argument there. Donatello is the brains, but to me, Donatello is like the healer. I mean, he's I could a, see him he's as a support kind of a, class. I could see him as a kind of a warrior cleric. Paladin? No, I'm he's thinking like more the... of a battle priest. Yeah, he's like the party member in uh, Fantasy Star Two that can dismantle robots. Actually, that would be actually kind of cool, yeah. Okay, so mechanic. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that fits in better anyway. Um, Raphael. Michelangelo is a cat about. <laughs> yeah. Raphael's like a rogue. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't really imagine Raphael as anything but a rogue with the attitude and the, the daggers. So, yeah, the daggers kind of steal it. Yeah. I mean, the fact that he's also a ninja, and ninja is a variant type of rogue. And most yeah, but they're all ninjas. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like he's ninja the most ninja. It's degrees of ninja here. Yeah. Leonardo to me is the main generic leader character with the sword from like most '90s RPGs. Yeah. Tank. So he's yeah. he's kind of a samurai slash paladin sort. Or like the Bowie from Shining Force Two, and all those main characters that had like a, a sword as their weapon. Which is to say, all of them. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm sure they want to get into the tropes about that, but I don't feel like going down that rabbit hole. <laughs> no, not at all. Like I said, I'm just sticking to the ones I've already said. Donatello's a machinist, and Michelangelo's a cat about. <laughs> No, Michelangelo can be like the the bard. Give him some levels in hip hop dancing. <laughs> Listen, no, it's fine because after once he once he gains enough levels in the Mirage comics, Michelangelo becomes an author. What? <laughs> that's, that's equivalent. <laughs> that's equivalent to becoming a sage. <laughs> well, I guess what... I'm following the Dragon Quest class pro progression. I've got this. All right, so. I don't think we've actually agreed on a particular game or system to take these classes from to begin with. So. <laughs> That's why you know, I chose Gad about because it was easy and Dragon Questy. Yeah. Thank you. Thinking about it, Nunchuck is like one of the most underused weapon classes in RPGs. Yeah, basically just monks in Final Fantasy One before you get them enough levels that they don't have to use them anymore. No, yeah, I mean you. Yeah, you see swords all the time. You see. Uh, size daggers type things all the time and then staves those are very common but you never really see nunchucks that much and you think you would no nah. nah, except um, I mean most of the Japanese creators would be somewhat more familiar with them than you would think than Americans and they would probably realize exactly how self-destructive they tend to be mm. <laughs> um, so you've got a high skill set 
unless you have a really high dexterity and you have practiced a lot, you're more likely to take yourself out with one of those things. So. Also, yeah. perhaps an assumption that they wouldn't look as effective fighting monsters as they would have fighting humans. Now it was just blunt. You'd have to put some kind of blades on them. I mean, I, I've seen... That sounds like a nightmare. ...like things as like flail weapons in some games. Yeah, that's true. Hmm. Like, I think maybe Selfie from uh, Final Fantasy VIII used something like that. She has nunchucks. I can't remember what her upgrades look like in that. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, I'll figure it out when I next replay FF8. Yep. But yeah, I think Selfie is the only character I can think of who actually uses something resembling nunchucks. Uh, Suicoden 2 main character is kind of something like that, too. But it, uh, yeah, she's really something. I, I could never fully tell what he was wielding. So what about classes for some of the other characters in Ninja Turtles while we're at it? Um, Shredder is an anti-paladin of some sort. Dark Knight. <laughs> Yeah, blaggard and actually blaggard. There we go. He had to betray everything that he stood for, and he basically joined the dark side. Splinter is some sort of monk or sage. Monk makes sense to me. Yeah, mm -hmm. he's he's the old master monk. Yeah. Oh man, now I'm imagining him and uh, like. Him and one of the Ninja Turtles getting a Suicoden like unite attack, like the master and student attack in Suicoden one. Krang to me is like some evil wizard. Krang is an aberration from one of the outer planes. <laughs> yeah. He's actually just a really messed up looking beholder. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> So, what's uh, Bebop and Rocksteady? Berserkers. Yep. Barbarians of some Fair. sort. I think uh, delving further into the extended uh, Turtles universe, the constantly crossing over Isagi Yojimbo kind of gets his own uh, gets a class that's fairly self-explanatory. <laughs> I mean, is, if he's anything but a samurai, yeah. Yeah. You failed. <laughs> Reroll the character. Well, you have the flying, uh, the, the fly guy. I can't remember his name. Baxter Stockman. Baxter Stockman. Yeah, Baxter. There you go. Yep, stuck. Yep. There we go. He, he's some sort of alchemist who really, really blew it when doing. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, uh, the the alligator guy. I can't think of his name either. Leatherhead. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yep. I remember I had his. I spoke with a really bad Cajun accent. Yeah, I had his toy as a kid, oh, and his head would never stay on, and it pissed me off. <laughs> well, well, how about the four frogs that Shredder adopted to try and be the uh, anti yeah. Those are battle I don't toads. think I saw that one. Oh, one of, That's uh, not a class. I, I saw most of the TV episodes for the first three or four seasons. So It's like, it, it's always baffling to me how, how long that lasted. It's like nine years, like... 199 yeah. episodes. It's just yeah. horrifying. What about Casey? Yeah, I was going to say we forgot Casey. And April. Casey Jones. He's just um, like a Dungeons and Dragons straight up fighter with improvised weaponry feats. Mm. Okay. Maybe, also. maybe even a barbarian? 
That's people mm. up in Rocksteady, though. Yeah, um, no, Ca- yeah. Casey's got Casey's more skills oriented, and he needs the extra feats from starting out as a human fighter. <laughs> it's true. Well, that's the thing here. Are we basing these off chair classes or like D and D? Whatever. We have wandered oh. all over the spectrum. I know. It's like we're, we're no consistency. This is based on whatever. Fits. And I think the ini- and I think the the initial question was about like vague like class archetype, yeah. which makes it even more confusing. This reminds <laughs> me that I want a damn Ninja Turtles RPG, which has not really <laughs> happened. Surprised they've never done that. It's it's so perfect. You have you have the party all set up. You have a party. Yeah. You, not only the party, but you've got the random the rotating fifth character NPCs going very well. Yeah. Instead of actually vanquishing enemies with your weapons, you just kick them and they fall over. <laughs> I'm fine with that. <laughs> I'm just thinking about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Ephemera now and I need to stop. <laughs> let us all forget the time that they crossed over with the Power Rangers. Well, let you it... know, I, I somehow got out before that episode ever happened, so I really... I'm kind of happy. Dodged a bullet. Yeah. I didn't know about that, so now you've... Well, Now I can't... Not it's, a, it's, it's next mutation turtles meets Power Rangers in space. Well, so it's, you also oh, have... It's the movie <laughs> even better. It's the Venus de Milo ones. Well, in, instead, why don't you remember the crossover of the 2012 show with the original show, which was amazing. <laughs> Wait, the tw- I knew that I knew that the early aughts show passed uh, crossed over with the late eighties show. I didn't know the two thousand twelve show did. Yeah, it certainly did. It also um, they also like crossed over with the original comic. Like they go back to a black they go to a black and white world. <laughs> it is pretty does, cool. Does Shredder's head get chopped off? <laughs> I don't remember. I haven't watched in a while, but it was it was. Good Probably stuff. not. It's no, a Nickelodeon no, show. No. Uh, I never actually saw the second or third animated series, so I'm kind of curious. They now. are both very good. There's also a there's also a freaking Turtles anime OVA, I believe, as well. Yeah, but the 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 2012 show I consider the best show. It is it's amazing, and I highly recommend it to anyone. Okay. I'm a pre. I'm gonna just say this title out loud because I decided to look up TMNT OVA and uh, Wikipedia claims to me that it's called Mutant Turtles Superman Legend. <laughs> what? Uh, pretty great title. Okay, so have we run this one into the ground yet, or can we just keep jumping on the shell a couple times, bounce off the next block, and get the one ups? I Listen, mean... if I if you don't want infinite life, you're welcome to stop. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, there's tons of other like villains I could bring up if you really want. Yeah, I think we're going to. We still, haven't, touched, we still haven't touched on what class any of the April O'Neils are, and several of them might be different ones. Yeah, uh, yeah, they absolutely would be different ones. The reporter class. Oh wait, <laughs> reporter's she, not a class, sadly. And she's not a reporter <laughs> in the most recent show either. Oh really? Yeah. There's also a new show. She actually trains this ninja. Throws these out of. There's also a, a new show that comes out like at the end of this year. Yeah. That throws these out of whack because in that one, Raphael is freaking huge. <laughs> okay. Well then, that even we're not pleased at the PR. type of thug. So. Okay. Yeah, we'll just have to revisit this question when the new show comes out. 
Sure, why not? Will just wants to talk about more Ninja Turtles. Why? Who wouldn't? I'm not saying no. I'm just <laughs> saying like your uh, your aim is transparent. Okay. And I will say to power. to all you listeners, if you have not watched the 2012 show, go watch some of it and report back, please. Thank you. And you could also watch the uh, was it the O three or whatever it came out show. That one's also really good. But O three ish, yeah. It's a bunch of really bad video games based off it for the PS two, oh, Xbox, and GameCube. Super bad. <laughs> do not play those. <laughs> did you do this? Did I do what? Did you did you play these? It sounds like you played them because your emphasis seems <laughs> moving on. Moving on, yes. We do not wish to talk about apparently. No. So, what's our next question? Uh, honorable mention, Stephen Hawking, the RPG character, rest in peace, in Shin Megami Tensei. How cool was that? That is one of the few series that I can think of that had real life-inspired people since it takes place on Earth. Not to mention some 1940s tyrant. Which tyrant had Rasputin as a character for a couple of games. <laughs> Yeah, that's one of those things where it's like, there's probably more that, like, sometimes we're just not getting who they are, because they'll either be people on the development staff or people we're not familiar with. Hey, I, I still remember when I wrote the impression for the second Kuzunoha Raido game, and I specifically mentioned that, hey, there was this one NPC in the town out in the country that I actually own a book written by that guy, because he's <laughs> a real-life um, historiographer and folklorist who collected fairy tales from around the country. Nice. Yeah, I was like, that's, that's "Wow, I actually smart. get the reference here! Yay!" Yeah. Smart little side. Atlas likes doing that. I think uh, at least some of the characters in the early Persona games are supposed to be references to some of the staff members as well. I would not be surprised. But uh, games that feature characters based off of historical figures—is it cheating when I bring bring up like? Yakuza, Kenzan, Kenzan, and Ishin, which explicitly cast the main character of Yakuza as historical figures? <laughs> no, not really. I mean, having... I mean, there are entire game genres over here based on either the Bakumatsu period or the Edo period or um, actually the Sengoku period. So, mm. yeah, th these characters end up getting pretty iconic. Yeah. Even, even before I mean, you... That's basically Koei's entire business. We had yeah. the Jeanne d'Arc uh, PSP RPG. Oh, oh Jeanne d'Arc. She's appeared in all sorts of stuff. I mean, Joan of Arc actually appeared in one of the Inazuma 11 games. Huh. <laughs> um, uh, one of the Go games where it was all time traveling. Actually, that was um, her level was demo at TGS in 2015. Um, so, yes, you were playing soccer Jeanne d'Arc. Yes, you do. On like on the battlement of one of the castles in the Hundred Years' War. <laughs> so oh, because of I'm, yeah, I, I guess I can't say no to that having happened. <laughs> uh, trying to think of other ones like yeah, Koei's basically their entire business model revolves around this. I guess. Uh, this, yeah. I think there's probably, like, really what I want them to do is to just go back and make, uh, like, like go back to some of their weirder, like, one-off strategy games. Basically what I'm saying is that I want Liberty or Death to be turned into a Dynasty Warriors game. <laughs> Which one was Liberty or Death? 
Um, That's so the American the, Revolution. Or, sorry, American Revolution game. It's didn't we have a conversation about a an American Revolution Musso at one point? Or I think this... we might have, and it might have been come from the same genesis. I know that at that point I started screaming about Madden Musso, though. <laughs> so still want that too, but Madso. I, I, mean, I, I got to watch Black Panther the other day, and finally, and I was had several scenes that were thinking where there where I was thinking, you know. This looks like it could be a Musou game in the final battles. Marvel Musou. Yes, just Marvel Musou. You that could do be... that. Now, I can see that happening. Especially since it's They've popular. They've certainly got enough characters for it. Yeah. I mean, the only, I mean, the only thing stopping Koei from actually making Musou anything is its calculation of how many people would buy it. Now, I am surprised to hear... Approximately the death. entire population. Yeah. Not too many people... No, or played Liberty or Death. It's kind of a yeah, so oddball revolutionary Musou. No, just the the original game. It's one of those oddball. Uh, a good one I'm thinking of now is Codename Steam. Yay! Which also I used mean, historical fictional characters as well, but uh, I mean, the entire cast was fictional. Yeah, except Lincoln and Queen Victoria. <laughs> we also have um, Shadow Hearts set in the real world with, but those are like monster type yeah. characters. They aren't really real. Or did they? How many real people do they have? Or did they? Uh, no idea because I never played that one. Shadow Hearts games. Yeah, but I mean, if we were going to rank real historical characters by the number of times they've appeared in video games, um. Oda Nobunaga comes in number one oh, by yeah. 1,000 yeah. points, followed by the entire population of Japan in the 16th <laughs> and 18th and 19th centuries. And <laughs> leaving Japan, uh, we would probably have to go with um, oh, Joan of Arc is way up there, and so is Hitler. Hitler's yeah, Hitler has enemies. Hitler is probably number two after Nobunaga. When we're getting into well, you, Nobunaga, you also have Tokugawa. He's in a bunch too. Yeah, um, I mean, we're talking like qual quality over quantity, like yeah. importance to the role. Yeah, I gotcha. He's like, um, uh, have you guys ever read the website badassoftheweek.com? Uh huh. Um, yeah, the the guy who does that site, he likes to do profiles of appropriately badass humans over the ages and sometimes animals. And his commentary on Oda Nobunaga was something along the lines of um, how every historical figure, whenever they get their picture done, there's always some sort of identifying feature that helps you quickly know who they were. For Oda Nobunaga, it's the badass ponytail, the villainous goatee, and the fact that there is some structure or city burning in the background. <laughs> and if you Google artwork, fan art of Oda Nobunaga, those are the things that you're going to notice first. <laughs> Him, and then there's also Genghis Khan that's in a bunch of stuff like that. Yeah. And that's similar role. Oddly enough, um, in the Eagle Shooting Heroes game that was made from Hong Kong Sony, they didn't have Genghis Khan in there, and he was an actual character in the original source material. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But they had to cut out a lot to fit into that game. Um, so I'm not surprised they didn't take out that. Well, that they did take out that. Um, hmm. Oh, and just for reference, yes, um, Eagle Shooting Heroes is based on a 
Chinese wuxia romance, um, not romantic romance, um, adventure romance novel series. So imagine every kung fu movie you've ever watched from the 70s and 80s, and it was that kind of story. Anything else? Anyone else? Nope. Yeah, Codename Steam is really the only one that came to my brain. Yeah, how, where else can you have Tom Sawyer and... Who else? Tom Sawyer, Queen Khalifa, um, and the cowardly lion. Yeah. <laughs> the oh, I love that game. Yes. Uh, right. I still like the fact that they didn't even bother trying to redub the dialogue into Japanese on the Japanese release. Oh, that's pretty funny. <laughs> so uh, I, I'm reading along to the English, to the Japanese text and listening to the English um, dialogue, and I'm like, "Oh dear, there's no <laughs> way we're going to accurately translate that into Japanese." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're, you talk about your your localization nightmares. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um yes. Uh, shame that game didn't seem to do all that well. I'd love to get more of that. <laughs> Dig into Apparently. some other uh literary characters as well. Mm-hmm. Uh You know, that'd be... I'm not going to bring this up now, but maybe for next time. People can suggest their favorite team of literary characters in a fictional uh, Codename Steam sequel. Okay. That would be a fun exercise. Let's see if anyone takes us up on that. Uh, next question... How do you feel about Nintendo packing a lot of its older first-party games onto one switch cart and selling them. Do they feel selling them one at a time on the eShop e -shop is a more valuable way to control their IP? Hmm. Well, controlling the IP is not so much an issue as gauging how willing people are to buy them individually versus on a, as a button. I'm not sure if they do this one. I mean, it's kind of like the Super Nintendo Classic already. They have that. Yeah. Would they put that roster up on a on the Switch, or they have stuff like you know Mario All Stars kind of games. That's the that's the most they usually in the Kirby All Star games. They usually don't jump into the collections all that much like that. Yeah, now, a, a lot of this is we're gonna have to consider the third party stuff too, because um, I can see Square going for the big names as individual releases, and then just bundling up everything else that they can, because they know that nobody's really gonna care about Brain Lord. But if it justifies them adding $2 extra to a bundle package, including some other games that people want, more power. Yeah. I think you'd still see more of their their uh, eShop and uh, virtual console stuff taking the brunt of this. Yeah, I mean, there's the other way you can look at it, too. Like, what if, what if they had, say, a Kirby collection, but the only game you wanted was... Um, 
I don't know, return to dreamland. I mean, I'm sure there'd be people annoyed that they had to buy, they would have to buy a whole collection just to get that when, you know, all they want is that one game. So, uh, as, as nice and complete as collections are, it's also nice to, I guess, be, be able to pick and choose exact, exactly which games you want to buy. So I can kind of see both ways for it, although obviously I don't think it's wrong to say that they're probably making a lot more money if uh, selling them individually. Mm. Yeah. It really depends on the audience, because, I mean, if we assume Noodle as our typical Kirby fan, <laughs> she would buy everything. Yeah. Absolutely everything. So I've I've thought about a question for us um, mm -hmm. as a guest question. So with the Switch gaining prominence and everything seeming to get ported or uh, coming out on the Switch now, do you think it's going to take over the PlayStation Four and then even before that the PlayStation Three and such as the RPG console of choice? Hmm. 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 Uh, I'm going to say it's possible, but, you know, my gut reaction would be sure, because you can release, like, lower quality graphic-wise games on the Switch, but, you know, that's my gut reaction, but in reality, you look at it and they, those sorts of RPGs come out all the time on the PS4, so it's not nope. really a hindrance there. Nope. I mean, the one thing that... Switch does have, and I know we've talked about this before as well, is its portability. Yeah. Portability and ease of starting the thing. Well, like think of some of the big JRPG releases, uh, Final Fantasy XV, the whatever next Dragon Quest main series title, uh, the next Persona, or even Persona 5, if those start coming out on the Switch, uh, would that be the preferred, or do you think, you know, Xbox 360 and the PS3, they still got some of the Final Fantasy games, but it still felt the flagship RPG RPG console was the PS3. Sure. And obviously the PS4 is take, you know, taking that torch and expanded it some. Because early on 360 was getting some of the exclusive JRPGs until it kind of stopped. So if do you think the Switch is going to start getting those games? I would say the 3DS was the flagship RPG's console. But that, that was a, that's a handheld. <laughs> yeah. It, it's a Yeah. Old, man, <laughs> <laughs> uh I think it's I think it's possible. Um, and the the only problem is obviously there's I, there's still a huge there's a huge population of uh, PS4 users at this point, and I think if they're going to start coming over to Switch, it's probably going to be a lot of ports. Like we're already already getting things like the next the next uh, Atelier. Atelier game is coming out on PS4 and Switch simultaneously. So I think we'd be more likely to see a lot of that than we would be like um, the Switch getting a bunch of exclusives, I think. Well, it's getting Octopath Traveler. That's true. I mean, it's not a, a like a graphically intensive game such as like um, you know, a main series one of the other games but yeah it's something exclusive uh, <laughs> yes yeah and a lot of people are excited about it 
I'm certainly excited about it. Do you think they'll port Persona 5 over to the Switch? I would love them to, because I only seem to be able to finish Persona games if they're on a portable, so I kind of need that. <laughs> uh, uh, honestly, I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Because yeah, they just brought e- yeah, Ease 8 over, or yep. bringing it over. That's uh, one of the big ones from last year. Uh, so I, I, I mean, I could, I would say, I could definitely see it being like on, uh, in, on par with the PS4. Like, no exact clear winner, but as far mm-hmm. as like being the premier console over the PS4, um, not so sure yet. Especially, okay, that, especially oh, when sorry. the PS4 has a, has a big brand new shiny Monster Hunter and the Switch <laughs> has a port of a not so great 3DS Monster Hunter. Okay, so that's for the market meta as a whole. What about personally? Personally? I am far more likely to get a Switch than a PS4. Far yeah. more. Personally because I don't have the time to sit down in front of the TV and my wife gets a little upset if I play too much play anything in front of our daughter <laughs> uh, personally I mean the Switch has Xenoblade and the PS4 does not so it's already a step ahead of my heart mm-hmm. so you got that uh, but yeah pers- I mean I kind of got the same situation like um, I do a lot of gaming while chilling on the couch or you know, I maybe need to play something that my kids can't watch, so having it portably, uh, yeah. It, it's If if a RPG comes to both, I can I can tell you that the Switch version is the version I'll buy. Even, even if it doesn't run as well as the PS4 version, I would always pick the Switch version over the PS4 version. And that leads me to the fig, though, if you guys are doing it, and I've seen it as the same case in others, it seems to me, this is why I asked it, it seems to me that this may be the trend going forward is, hey, I can play this on my TV like a PS4, or I can play it handheld, and, you know, we're, we're going to really start getting a lack of 3DS games here pretty soon, and we already kind of have, yeah. and uh, that's going to fill that, that gap as well. But I don't want the 3DS to die. I love the 3DS, because I don't, f- for me personally, yes, I can play the Switch on my couch. I don't want to bring the Switch <laughs> out of my house anywhere. I like the smaller portables. I don't like like a giant portable. But yeah, that that's a yeah. se- that's a separate topic. Um yeah, I don't know if it's just like the current hot thing that everyone wants to play everything portably and they want everything on the Switch if you know, I don't know. So well, I mean, I guess the nice thing to switch, you can, you're sitting on your couch, playing in the living yeah. room, you get kind of tired, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to undock it, and I'll carry it and finish it in bed to, yeah. you know, get sleepy a little bit and then go to sleep. Oh, but at the same time, there's always going to be things like, say, Final Fantasy Fifteen or probably the next Elder Scrolls, like these high-end, high-end graphically RPGs that just won't be able to go on the Switch. Well, Skyrim's on Switch. Skyrim's also, like, five years old at this point. <laughs> yeah, but... We're, we're well into the range of graphics where a few more points and whatever is not going to increase the, the, the appearance as much as you would think. For sure. Well, I mean, for sure. This I, is the, you're starting to get in a little... I'm a big PC gamer, so this stuff's more... <laughs> uh, <clears throat> like, 
getting these to work with the frame rate you want them to play at is going to be the the big thing and having right, the, if they have to right. scale down resolutions or uh hit up on the frame rate uh, get some screen you know issues like that slow down on the switch it's already doing that with some older games so especially in handheld mode uh so these kind of maybe some people it's not a big deal. These kind of things they bother me. So if if I know there's a PS4 version that's technically superior, and the only benefit I get it from the Switch is being in handheld mode, which if it's going to run kind of crappily, I'm definitely not going to want that version. But that's just me, and it's not I, just necessarily to say the yeah, prettier graphic. I, but I don't think you're alone there. Yeah. Um, which is why I I like I said before I think a lot of the lower budgety RPGs are going to find their way on Switch, this, which is why it's probably going to get a lot of the RPG audience, because, you know, something like an Atelier game uh, is probably going to run perfectly fine on the Switch. and Or something like Disgaea, which we already have one on the Switch, so... Um, I really think there's going to be a place for both. I don't think it's going to be like, oh, you're an R- you're a JRPG, you're a huge JRPG fan. You have to get this, or you have to get this. It's probably going to be like, well, Switch has has they both have all these games. The Switch has these exclusives. The PS4 has these exclusives, and kind of got to pick your poison or buy both. Well, I think you're going to have to buy both. Yeah, to I, me, I think so. With the 3DS kind of you know fading away. I know you don't want to admit it yet, but it's fading away. It's fine. It's well, totally those, fine. <laughs> well, those level of like portable 3DS, DS RPGs just kind of naturally go, okay, we're on the Switch now. Or they just kind of stop making those. I that That is the big question. And I think it's kind of an open question. Uh, does, something, does something replace the 3DS? Because from what I know, the 3DS was not exactly declining last year. It was doing great. So yeah. I think if if it seems like there's still a market for that kind of smaller portable, then we may get a new one. Or they we the 3DS may last a lot longer than we think it would. And Nintendo's... I know Nintendo's only supporting it with, like, you know, ports and nothing all that major, but, uh, I mean, we've still got multiple Atlas games this year and you know mm-hmm. we'll see if anything comes across in the future but I was thinking, yeah, look, I'm not saying far, I was going to say look how far third party took the yeah. PlayStation 2 and, and, and Vita and the Vita which yep. uh, you can't find you haven't been able to find a new Vita in the a US store in a long time but you can still get new games uh, mm-hmm. at a pretty regular pace so well, to me, the 3DS isn't dying, but it's it's fading. Because, you know, right. a couple years ago, you'd be getting a lot more games every every month. Now you're getting, you said there's two Atlas games. Well, it used to be, it'd be two Atlas games in like a, a month or two kind of thing. Where there, it's just not at the same. Oh, no, it's not. Uh, it, it, has, it hasn't been at the same pace since the end of the DS period. Yeah. Even. I mean, the 3DS has always been lower or slower output. But to me, like, Octopath Traveler, would that have been a 3DS game maybe two or three years ago? Probably. Yeah, I mean, it's by the Bravely Defart team. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, it absolutely would have been. But I think I think there's still... It's still, in my opinion, yet to be determined if 
the Switch is going to just replace the 3DS's market. I don't I don't think that's a sh- a sure thing. Like it's Nintendo's new console, and Nintendo is always good at pushing the first party games, and tons of tons of third party stuff is selling well. Uh, but you know, is it has it is has it or will it completely replace like that market for portable games and the market for like for a large part cheaper portable games? I I don't know. We'll have to see. Because I don't think, in my opinion, it's. It's all that portable. <laughs> like it's, no, I mean, it's basically a, a huge Vita. <laughs> yeah, but I think a lot of people do use it portable all the time. Oh, people have oh, talked yeah. to, but yeah, I I've never really played it off the dock much. Me neither. But I think we're uh, more of the exception than the rule. Sure, but you know, there's also the thing the uh, the kids market, which I don't mm. know if the Switch is going to eat all that up too, because obviously the games are a lot more, and generally more expensive than 3DS games were, and the system's more expensive. Yeah. You say that, but they have the Labo stuff coming out. Yeah, I don't really understand the point of that, <laughs> but whatever. Um... So yeah, I'm just saying I don't be don't be shocked if there is I don't know what the hell they would call it at this point because we've had 3DS and new 3DS and 4DS would suggest like transdimensional travel or something. Yeah, uh, I get one of those. <laughs> if only, if only. Yeah. I'll play games in four dimensions. <laughs> uh so yeah, I don't I wouldn't be shocked if there is eventually a new new 3DS, but um Hopefully yeah. with a better name. Yes. More likely than not, uh, the Switch is going to eat up a lot of that market, and it's going to be... A, it's already a large JRPG system, so... Uh, we'll always, see where it goes. I always consider the Switch to be kind of the culmination of both sides of Nintendo's business plan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, no, I agree. It absolutely is like... it. It seems like that exact thing. Combine your portable business and your console business. I'm just not 100% convinced that they can actually do that. <laughs> I think I think they may leave some people by the wayside if they do that. More switch talk. Um, you think they're gonna go the route of upgraded iterations, a la Xbox One? Yes. And PS4 Pro and all that. Yes. Absolutely. Cuz they they mean they are they've already they've already shown to do that with the 3DS. So I would absolutely I predict that with the Switch. And hey, maybe they'll they'll prove I'm completely wrong by making a smaller Switch too. <laughs> so I don't know. A more portable Switch version. Yes. Switch Slim. Switch Slim. <laughs> then again, then again, maybe Nintendo has learned from that and um, from like the new 3DS or the Wii U mistakes. And uh, you know what? We don't need to promote this as an upgraded form and make it fall flat again. Yes, and please. Please, for the love of God, don't call it new Switch. Please. <laughs> Please. 
Yeah. Or anything else with Switch, because next thing everyone's going to be thinking is Switch off. Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> I really don't want to have to search for new new Switch. Or new Back a bit late. Or new Switch accessories that would. Is this about accessories? Uh, we were just talking about a potential upgrade, up, uh, like an upgraded version of the Switch at some point. And I was begging them not to call it the new Switch. <laughs> Probably not. I think they might have learned from that, but who knows. Uh, You'd hope so. You would think, but then they just were like, yeah, here's new 2DS. <laughs> yeah, but they had already made their bet on that one. I guess. And then I guess it's more confusing if they call that something different. Alright, um... Have we, I guess, mined an incredible amount from that question? I think so. It was, it was one question and we kind of it kind of started a, a couple other questions too, so... Yeah. yeah. Alright. eyes last question kind of falls on these, in line with these questions as well. Yeah. And it is, if you had to speculate, what percentage of the PlayStation 5 library will be on the PS4 and the PS6? <laughs> Are we headed towards a console market with a more fluid library with each console off offering more but optional power? Hmm. I don't know if we'll ever get a PS6. To say, how much farther can they push the processing power on these before it becomes completely pointless? Yeah. Mm, I, mean, I don't know. I'm... I'm of the opinion that people seem to not think the PS3 to PS4 was a big jump, but I think it was. I mean, in many ways it was, because you can tell just from the amount of things being done at the same time and the yeah. smoothness of the yeah. visuals overall, there is a huge difference. More... But at the same time, how much more will the public be willing to care about? Well, to me, a big thing, uh, the Xbox 360 and the PS3, that generation lasted so long... And I more notice that as a PC gamer because during that late 2000s, uh, 2009, 2008, 2010 time frame and early 2010s, that long generational gap kind of made those PC games limited at those times because they wanted to also allow them to, or the, the flagship con uh, platform was the consoles. So I remember, like, man, I'm I really can't wait for a new console generation because they're really holding back a lot of these PC games in, in some of those regards. To, now, some of the new engines uh, have this uh, better scale, uh, scalability to to go between them and, and take advantage of these these uh, uh, platform uh, computing power and all that good stuff. And so, to me, that that was a bigger deal um, from from that angle. Now, uh, on you know. With the the newer systems, I, I really think, especially the platforms are on, they're, they're really much more like PCs, but with the you know their own little OS that uh, I think they're just gonna do go like a la iPhone and Galaxy and start doing revisions like that that stay pretty compatible with the ones before it. Yeah, and I, that's how I would Until see Until iOS it, like eleven or whatever comes out, or or unless <laughs> plays, unless Sony comes out with their own tablet like switch type deal on one of the yeah. consoles as well and, and treat it like a phone. I don't think they could I don't think they could force compatibility between PS4 and a switch like object well enough for it to be worthwhile. Well I definitely wouldn't play with discs. Yeah. 
Certainly. <laughs> yeah. Unless you had like a dock system that had a, a disk a disk drive. Well, but, I, uh, I, I was just gonna say, I think backwards compatibility on the Xbox One, if nothing else, has proven that uh, keeping compatibility between future systems is probably gonna be really important. Yeah, and th- yeah. that was just tough for the PS4 due to the the, the PS3's weird architecture. Sure. Plus, I mean, you can't even if, oh, if pushing towards non-physical copies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, people are going to want to hold on to stuff. Yep. Yep. But even like a high-end PC now, I don't think can emulate the PS3. So. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> the damn cell processor. Partially because the PS, because the PS3's processor has no known descendants. Yep. Uh, it's the modern-day Sega Saturn. There's like five games that emulate properly, and you can tell because they're all like things that it was purpose built to emulate because people wanted to play them on their PC. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, to answer your question, I know some people don't care about this stuff. I care about that, and to me, it's um, yeah. You you got the HD, and you're just getting you know uh, the resolution is not going to get that much better, but the 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 pixel, you know, the the textures and the frame rate and smoothness of animation, how much you can put on screen. But the big thing that's going to be to me is computing power is going to be increased AI. Yep. And, and how many things they can manage at once on the screen. So yes. Ruto games are only going to get more insane. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> like, my thought, the thought process I always have with this is that, like, more... Like more power and attempting to actually take advantage of it, like the the upper end of what video games can, like the upper end of how many people you can throw at it and how much money you can throw at it to actually take advantage of what high end past this will look like is getting frightening and really already is frightening. But like, I don't see that like. I don't see that we stop improving technology, but I do see a point where it's like it's not actually practical to try to reach the upper limits of this on very many games or any games. That's a good point. The most things that the most thing that it does is it makes the floor lower, the floor higher. So it's like yeah. it's easier to make something that looks better, but at the same time there's just like there's a practical limit of how many people you can get together making one object. Yeah, but then again you also have like engines and assets that you build and then you re- use and recycle so or you don't have to keep making that new on each type of game and so you get these engines and you get these assets and then uh, you already have a, a more robust base the, the, the longer they're out and you don't have to start from scratch on everything again so that allows you to, to optimize on certain things and that kind of builds off one another just how you see at the end of console generations we have that optimization level so high and they've maxed these systems out so uh, certainly that also means that Square Enix is kind of screwed because they tend to reinvent the wheel every time yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah that's why they that's why like you get people within Square Enix that are just like please just let me make games in UE4 it's so much better this way yeah, everyone have like but, a Final uh, Fantasy 16 to like 2024 <laughs> Like Final Fantasy 15 is a game as service that's meant to have DLC until at least like 2019 by this point. Uh, but like, my my thought process isn't even that. It's just like you also just have raw asset creation. Mm-hmm. Like asset creation 
like intensity increases essentially like it gets worse the more complex the asset is and like you saw that more obviously with like sprites but like really high quality 3d models where everything has to look at you know and all these there there is a point where it's just like it's not practical to really fill out these to the maximum extent we really need the processing power to be able to look up the npc's nose and count the number of hairs (laughs) in vr game you might (laughs) vr produces like the same thing but like it's like vr games are like power hungry in a way that nothing else is i mean that's why every time you see a vr game and it's like oh this looks like it fell backward a generation or two maybe (laughs) even three sometimes because it's just like it it is such a hungry environment but it's also like how many people do you know with vr rigs i i think i'm i've been waiting for to get a little better before i kind of invest in it i think i don't think it's going anywhere though i think they're just going to keep building on that like it's one of those things where it's like I don't think it's going anywhere, but I'm not sure if that's for any reason that involves, like, that is in part because the people throwing money behind it are certain that the consumers are just about to take it. Well, there's also because, like, more the applications in this game. Sales are bad. Yeah, yeah, and that's why they're probably, like, looking for it, but it's also one of those things where it's like, if you were if you were just looking at how they'd sold so far, you'd say this, this technology is doomed. Yeah. It's like... The, the runaway success story is PSVR, and that sold like a million units. <laughs> I'm just going to hold out for them to invent an actual holodeck. <laughs> One day. Just One put day. a jack in my yeah, brain, some, and I'll just in, plug in. In some in. sense. <laughs> on some sense, like, yeah. I do get... I, I do get the same vibe from VR that I do with every with like 3D, where it's like every time it comes back, it's like no, it's good this time, and then it goes away for a little while, and then it comes back again. And I, I, I just and remember, I, d- I doubt we've seen the last of either of those cycles. I, I just remember um, it was like last year, my brother mailed me a copy of Ready Player One for Christmas, and I was just reading through it and thinking, okay, this is not possible. This is not possible. This is how in the world is one man in a small development team supposed to come up with this? impossible um and it's okay finally, he sat there watching all the 80s movies <laughs> and then and then looking at this and thinking you know what this this is beyond this is so far beyond this is john galt level of self-sufficiently impossible <laughs> uh, this is john galt telling you about how much he likes the ghostbusters yeah i mean uh, obviously not that not as dickish but but still, the, yeah, the idea of one company managing to jump at least five generations ahead of everybody else on virtual reality in the early 21st century. I can't remember when else. Ready Player One is supposed to take place. Well, if I remember right, the, the introduction of the VR system was supposed to have been like two years ago, our time. <laughs> like 2015 or so. And it was set like 20 years Don't past. Don't you remember? Yeah. So and so, I mean, when I when I was reading it, it was like, okay, it's almost about time for this miraculous development to happen. And I have seen VR rigs at Tokyo Game Show. I've seen what the entire industry is working with, and I know that they're all about the same level because everybody's working on the same base premises and with the same base technology. How the heck is this supposed to have happened? This is, this is only slightly less believable than the idea of. 
mobile home high-rises in the middle of Oklahoma. <laughs> Only slightly less believable because, one, nobody in their right mind builds apartment buildings above four stories tall in that state. Seriously. And second of all, it's not like there's a scarcity of open flat land in the middle of Oklahoma. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Uh, okay. I, I have some interesting bones to pick with that book. <laughs> <laughs> and they're not. We can all do a review after thing. the. <laughs> yeah. You can do so a nice review of it after the movie. Our thoughts on, on the Ready Player One book or movie. Email, ask us. We will continue this conversation next week. Okay, what's the next question? <laughs> uh, our next question is from our esteemed editor-in-chief via Twitter. Yay. Who says... Mm-hmm. Oh my god, actually, we have a bunch of these now. Holy... Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We'll be here all night. Uh, pick the four Final Fantasy job classes that most describe you. Wow, you get four entire classes? Okay. Um, uh, everyone's Googling Final Fantasy job list. <laughs> let's see, let's start with Scholar. Always um, um, like to get people with books. So Scholar, there's one. Um, freelancer, because, hey, I don't really have anything special going on. Okay, and um, oh, Gadabout was a was a Dragon Quest translation. Dragon Quest one, yeah. So, um, so yeah, I would go with Scholar and um, Freelancer. Um, oh. So, hmm. Black Mage and um. Did it really take time to Google that one? (laughs) I I, I was the only one that didn't Google, I think. Oh, I'm not Googling either. I'm just just named only two that fit me. I'm not going to say Onion Knight. um, (laughs) I was going to say Onion Kid. Yeah. I'm straight up the garbage that doesn't actually have a class, so you get Onion Kid. Um, I'd say machinist, scholar would be the closest for me. Um, I'm not really a machinist, but I'm an engineer, so I guess it's close. There's yeah, that's as close as anyone's gonna get. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I'd be like scholar and uh, black belt. Although I only <laughs> wow. made, it, made it as far as a red belt, but close enough. Yeah, I have a lot of pets, so maybe I'm a beast master. There you go. Hey, I, I have a daughter, so I guess I could be a beast master. But... <laughs> wow. A wrangler of some sort. I think you need at least two children to reach the class of beast master. I'm working on unlocking that then. Okay, sure. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't feel comfortable assigning these to myself, so I'm just going with Onion Kid. Oh. Is that a bio thing? You go ahead and assign mine, Wheels. It's your job now. <laughs> it's, I, wait, what's your what's your actual job? I am unemployed. <laughs> okay, so freelancer's the first one. Uh, Obvious. Wheels, what's your, what's your actual job? 
I guess computer programmer. Okay, so you could be a calculator from Final Fantasy Tactics. Yeah. Hey, there's Sweet. a festivalist from Final Fantasy X-2. A what? A festivalist. Can I just replace that with Psychicer? <laughs> See, I, I, I don't, I've never actually played X-2, even though I owned it for a while. It's I got a lot of great play. class names. A merchant? Anyone sold some stuff? Um, I don't think I've ever actually they, sold anything. I was going to say, the, the only time I tried at sales, I failed miserably. So, no. I, sold, I sell some games at, at some time, so maybe I'm a merchant, too. <laughs> nah, I think Torneco would look down on you for that. Oh, harsh. I mean, you're not a real merchant unless you're carrying stuff in a huge pack around dungeons and getting stuff. <sighs> So yeah. Uh, you know how to juggle? Nope. <laughs> Where are your skills, man? Where are they, Squire? Maybe you're Squire. What do you think I've spent the last year or so trying to work out? You're juggling? No, skills in general. It's even worse. Uh, All right. It's getting depressing. Next question. <laughs> Next question from uh, my good friend Kyle Litke. Mike, your Q&A seems to have the momentum of a runaway freight train. Why are you so popular? <laughs> because everybody likes watching I remember The Simpsons, too. <laughs> uh, apparently we're more popular than Monty Burns. Wait, someone asked about Yakuza. I get to talk about Yakuza lady, later. Did oh, they? no. Who, who oh, yeah. Game? All right, we'll Start. get to that. That's that's the last one. So you will wait wait for the, until we get to the last one. Uh, oh man, someone brought back in defend the indefensible. Pitch an idea for an RPG starting or I guess starring the Easter Bunny. Yeah, that's from Adrian. It's terrifying. Okay, Easter Bunny. Let's see here. Um, um so is it just the Easter Bunny? I'm imagining Bunny? something with all of the fantasy. Um, ho- holiday characters. All it has to do is star the Easter Bunny. Okay, then let's make this a sluggy freelance RPG starring Bun Bun as the Easter Bunny. Huh. I'm doing my best to remember all three pieces of information I know about sluggy freelance. Basically, um, I stopped reading it ten years ago, but I can tell you that Bun Bun the Rabbit is a functioning psychopath with a switchblade <laughs> who... The reason he became the Easter Bunny was because he slaughtered the previous one and accidentally inherited the mantle. Mm. And he once, um, I think he once took over Christmas just for the hell of it. And had the Christmas elves do the Easter stuff. Well then. <laughs> yes. I mean, there, I mean, if we're going to do this, we're going to make this as cracked as possible. Yeah, I'm trying to remember all what the Easter Bunny does besides like paint eggs and stuff. He delivers eggs and he paint eggs. He's chocolate eggs. He gives children cavities. <laughs> um, he is. It sounds like a euphemism for punching someone in the face. <laughs> it's a, he is a modern interpretation of a tutelary spirit devoted to the goddess Uster, um, the German goddess of spring, and he is a protective entity. If we want to get really technical, hmm. <laughs> yeah, we could go. We could go into the history of this a lot, but well, I'm just trying to think of what the character, the Easter Bunny, actually does to 
the thematic to make a an uh, RPG behind it, or well, maybe it doesn't even matter. Here, I got a good one. Egg bombs. An RP, a oh, Bioware RPG that is a spin-off. Uh, no. Stop. No, no, let me finish. A Bioware <laughs> RPG that is a spin-off of the Santa Claus movie franchise where you uh, where you star as the Easter Bunny from those movies trying to save Santa Claus from uh, I don't know, Jack Frost or something. <laughs> Just before I bring up how weird it is that, that that an entire franchise spawned around the idea that if you murder Santa you become Santa. Hey, it was accidental. <laughs> Accidental. The original murder. script had him shooting him with a gun. Did it? <laughs> yeah. Damn. Where, where oh. can I see that version of the movie? Uh, I don't think it, I don't think it got past the script. Does anybody remember Dr. Demento? Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I still remember some of the Christmas-themed stuff that he would have every year, and one of the songs oh, was literally, I Shot Santa in My Underwear. <laughs> now, Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. yeah, you know, beloved, beloved uh, for some reason, beloved children's movie about you know Santa dies and you can just be Santa now, I guess. Well, you know, he does. You can if you. Well, it's even worse than that now that I think about it because you both kill Santa and steal his stuff. Yeah, well, it says it on the card though. If something, just saying, should, man. if something should happen to me, it doesn't say if something should happen to me accidentally. It just says, you know, yo, if you happen to you murder... You kill it, if, you bought it. If, if you happen to murder me, you know, you take over the job. You might think You're that now immortal and old forever. Because who wants to be Santa? Well, I mean, it means you're now immortal. Yeah. So. Now I'm imagining a JRPG boss enacting the frickin' plot of the Santa Claus. <laughs> it's his only path to immortality. <laughs> See, there, there's so this. much you could do here. And I'm, I'm still thinking, I hate I'm this thinking and I of, hate me. I'm thinking of the Metal Saga game where there was a historical Santa who was actually a maniac in a red tank. That's awesome. That makes sense to me. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I, the Easter Bunny game, the, the restorative items would have to be peeps and Cadbury eggs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. But, yeah, I'm pitching this as like a Bioware RPG because I was thinking... Uh, you could have multiple endings, lots of dialogue trees, you know, when the endings could be the Easter Bunny becoming Santa Claus. Lots of weird stuff. Somebody's trying to gather all of the mantles of the holidays to become the Uber holiday. Oh, they're just perfect. It's perfect. Even, even better, it's, it's some <laughs> random capitalist guy doing it so he can just make money, make cash hand over fist all year round. <laughs> I would play this ridiculous game. Well, well, I might be dying now. <laughs> the Easter Bunny survives Halloween. Uh, like well, he did get kidnapped the night before Christmas. I don't know. But they let him go because they got the wrong guy. Well, wrong bunny. <laughs> Sandy Claus. <laughs> you know, now that I think of it, why isn't there a Santa Claus world in Kingdom Hearts? There's a, you go to Christmas Town yeah. Kingdom Hearts too. Yeah, I was gonna say there was one Kingdom Hearts game that had Nightmare Before Christmas in it. The both there's two of them. Both one, one and two both have yeah, one and two at least one. Have. One has its own weird plotline where instead of following the movie, it's just about like Jack being obsessed with making the heartless dance. 
which was, you know, a good plot as things go. But uh, two actually follows the plot of the movie. You actually go to Christmas Town. Around that same time, Capcom, for some reason, made a Devil May Cry knockoff with the Nightmare Before Christmas license. That is strange. Which is positioned as a sequel to the film. What? <laughs> Nightmare Before Christmas, Oogie's Revenge for your PS2. Really? <laughs> yeah. I think I've seen that in stores, and I never bothered. It's apparently a decent enough game if you're willing to accept that Jack Skellington is going to say Soul Robber quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, Dev- I mean, Devil May you know, Christmas. If you want it. Okay, you're fired. Um... <laughs> Uh, next question. <laughs> okay. Uh, from Tom. I was gonna say Tom. Uh, well, I guess it's in his Twitter handle, Tom Sonley. Defend the indefensible. Inventory management in modern RPGs is too simple. Which hmm. game? Because. I can think of like four games in the past year that I've played that were all made in the la- or released in the last year, and none of them had inventory management anything like each other. I think he's just saying defend the indefensible concept of this idea that the inventory management has gotten too simple. I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't uh, know if I can. I got it. I got it. Okay. While inventory management has become simple and quote-unquote easy to manage, it, in fact, has ruined a key aspect of RPGs, which is weight management, and making sure... That was never a cool aspect. Okay, bear with me for a minute. (laughs) (laughs) And having to make sure that you can literally carry all, all the items and um, not have to... Okay, I got nothing. <laughs> I was going to say, um, the, the idea of having weight limitations on the item inventory was has been laughed at for the last 40 years to begin with, um, depending on the game series. Yeah, I mean, like, D&D, yeah, you can only hold, hold 120 pounds, but then I have, like, they could all be, like, 12 swords, which is stupid to begin with. <laughs> Let me tell you about keys in Resident Evil taking up as much space as a shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah, so we're talking yeah. about, like, inventory. He did say we're modern, so inventory management in, like, Diablo or those types where the, the, the items take up physical little blocks. Yeah. Or is it, like, inventory is in your menu and you have all the... You cycle through all of your stuff in, like, a menu. I don't typically like inventory or item usage where you pull out a little wheel on the screen, like in consoles. Yeah. You kind of spin around it. I, those usually irritate me. Those are usually for games that don't have much inventory to manage to begin with. It's usually sure. like, here's here's your four guns. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's not a lot of like, there isn't much inventory management done 
in modern RPGs for the most part. Like, the most inventory management I seem to do in most games is like, this is too cluttered and I'm throwing out everything that I can't immediately yeah. use. <laughs> well, yeah, the modern ones would be or like Fallout 4 or something where you have... So are you talking... over-encumbered from... Yeah. Do you have to play Tetris or do you just... Stuff goes into a, a, a list. You are over-encumbered from your 3,000 bottles of Nuka-Cola and 12 typewriters. <laughs> but I need all 12 of those typewriters. I'm not sure what you're writing, but but 11 extra ones isn't going to help. Maybe it will. Hmm? Do you ever think of that? No. Okay. I've never thought of that. <laughs> so that does remind me. I didn't like the inventory stuff in Monster Hunter World. Oh. Oh, yeah. This... this the thing that has to come up at some point. Did this happen while I was gone, or is this a... Uh, no. no. Like, okay, selecting which item roll. you want to use and that is annoying. Yeah, some of that is kind of just uh, legacy from the older games. Yeah. Um, but not that you should be required to put up with that just because you're brand new to the franchise. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't say that like selecting what item you want to ha- you need to use is all that great. Uh, I wonder if I do wonder if that's just there as like okay, you know, older fans to the series want to make it e- as easy for you as possible. I guess. Yeah, so that's my not inventory best. management gripe. So it's a segue. My other gripes are. Highlighting a dinosaur, and you have like three or four, sorry, a monster, I should say, when you have like three or four down at the bottom left. And yeah, I cycled through that portrait, and I have no idea what monster that is. <laughs> and I'm supposed to find the specific one, and all three of those little blobs of color down at the bottom left, and I can't tell which is which. And then I'll highlight one, and then I'll lock on a different one. It just pissed me off. Maybe I'm making it more complicated, but I was talking about it with some with. Uh, Chris on the RPG cast, and he said, yeah, that's kind of a complaint. I don't even know what this is. <laughs> you know, you don't know when you hide at the bottom left corner, you can highlight a monster, and it'll kind of show you where he's at, and you try to go track him down. I, so, I bring up the full map, though. Mm. Well, how do you know which one you're highlighting? If you hover over it, it says what its name is. Uh, uh, there's this little system down at the bottom left where it tells you, okay, you cycle through them with like the L2 or the L1. or. Uh, I've never used that. I did not, honest to God, I did not even know that was there. Huh. Well, there's, well which, which button do you use to lock on? I do not lock on. Oh, okay. <laughs> Again, old, old school. Yeah. My other irritation with the game. Is okay, I'm killing and killing this monster, and I hurt him a little bit, and now I gotta chase him forever, and chase him, and then hurt him some more, and then chase him again. Okay, I'm tired of chasing this guy, just die. <laughs> Them running from me is really annoying. Sure. It's. <laughs> I mean, it. I mean, that's the whole game, though, is hunting the monsters, and it's it's not a simple matter of they're just you know, sit there and hack at them and they're gonna die. There's strategy involved, and uh, also it's easier to trap them and, than it is to actually. Well, not easier. It's more beneficial to uh, trap them and kill them. And there's uh, there's a lot of depth to it than just chasing them down and hacking them to bits. I would say. 
Maybe maybe you have to get more into it, but so far when I was playing it, it's just attack him for like 20 seconds, and then I heard him, and then they run, and I heard him, and then they run, and I heard him, and they run, and okay, he's dead. Sure. I was like, oh, man, this is... <laughs> <laughs> Like I said, I've tr- I've wanted and tried to like the game. I like a lot of the aspects of it. Well, I think it might maybe it's just not for you because I think part of the appeal of Monster Hunter is like there's joy and kind of the minutia. I guess would be the best way to describe it. And generally, I don't know how early you're on, but some of the early monsters can be kind of boring. And generally, when you get further on, they're like a lot harder to to figure out, and you have to learn like their attack patterns so you're not just like running up there and hacking away it's like okay well the actual fighting in part that's not so bad i just hate them when they get hurt and they run about you know pretty far and then i gotta go tracking down again that's already tracked you once anyway look for them and chasing them around everywhere well i'd say it's that's a little bit worse than this see in the previous games you had to use like an item for them to be visible on your mini map right and it eventually wore off so um, it could be this whole thing where they run away when your what's called a paintball has worn off and then you actually have to track them down and try and figure mm-hmm. out where the hell they went and it wasn't as obvious as it was in this one whereas it's okay they run away and they're sitting there on my mini map I know exactly where to go and in some cases I can even fast travel to a spot that's closer to them so mm-hmm. I feel like they could have done that differently somehow like I'm not gonna, I I love Monster Hunter World I don't think it's it, it's not the best game in the series um, but they it's definitely clear they are they they are figuring out how to do a lot of the things the old games did in this newer fresher engine so I think it's gonna it's rough around the edges and I think it's gonna take them a few iterations to really nail it yeah, those two things irritate, and then the controls also annoys me. Like, um, I'm attacking the monster, and then I'm stuck in the swing, and it's like going way outside to the left of the monster. It just didn't feel like maybe it's the weapon I'm using. I'm using that that shield and sword. It turns into like the big axe thing, and I'm trying to attack it, and then it just feels like I get turned around and trying to stay focused on him is more frustrating than it needs to be. It's more skill-based than you might be used to, which is intentional. I'm uh, maybe I don't know. I guess it's more of a doing it on the controller versus mouse and keyboard. Maybe that's bothering me. It it could be, yeah. But that yeah, getting focused and and pointed at him, and then them moving around, and then my guy's not going. It just didn't seem as responsive, I guess, as my, my grace. I can tell you that is intentional. That okay. is absolutely intentional. Because they don't want you to they don't want you to play it like a hack and slash RPG where you just run up and bash away at things. The intention is you need to learn like the timing of your swings and you need to learn like the movements of the monsters and learn their tells and things like that. Mm-hmm. Which um, from having played a lot of them, I can tell you this is often the thing that g- games that clone Monster Hunter usually get wrong. Is they don't, they don't get that part, and they end up making a bunch of boring ass games. I've had to try and force my way through. 
Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's not an easy series to get into. I can tell you that. It took. Uh, I played it from this from when it first started showing up on PSP, and it wasn't until uh, the second version of three that I finally got into it. So yeah, because I was like watching people play it on some streams and some videos, and to be honest. It looks, at least for me, it looks more fun to play than to actually play. Like watching it, it was oh, that's pretty, looks pretty cool. And I was having, they like to have fun. And I'm doing, I was like, this is kind of repetitive. Well, maybe, well, yeah, it definitely is repetitive. But maybe try a different weapon. Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, maybe so. It, this, uh, it sounded like he was using the charge blade, which uh, is kind of a weird one. I thought it was kind of cool. It is. Because you can block stuff and you can switch over. To me, it seemed like it was going to be more, more less repetitive using that because you can switch between using shield and blocking and then going for a big swing with the, the axe and then. Well, do you know how to just do you know how to charge up the ultimate attack? Uh, like you R two and square. Yeah. So you got to oh. you got to fill up all the vials. Yeah. And once you do that, you switch into axe mode. You do like the. Uh, the triangle and press triangle and s- circle, and as as your character is like going back to start the big swing with the axe, you press the block button, and then what that does is it puts all that charge into the shield. Mm. And I forget if it doesn't world, it doesn't in the, in the earlier games. Your shield will be like glowing, and then when you charge up when you fill up the vials again, then you do like the triangle circle attack and it does like this massive damaging attack. And then eventually the, sh- the charge on the shield wears off and you can do that again. But you kind of keep doing that build up process and getting off these huge attacks. And you can do tons and tons of damage. It didn't show me that in the little training session stuff. <laughs> I don't think it does. And, uh, I found, <laughs> When I, that weapon first appeared in four, I don't think it did there either, and I like found it out by accident. Like mm. I, I did that that two button and strong attack, and I think like the the monster was charging at me or something, so I hit R to block, and it charged at my shield, and it's like, what the hell is that? Because mm. so. yeah, it just seemed like it it was okay, swing and then zap him with electricity a few times, and then do that over and over again. No, and. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't, and there's probably some things with the other weapons that they don't really explain either. There's, it's, yeah. it's a very in-depth game, and uh, I don't think they've ever found a great way to do a tutorial that goes through everything. Been partially part of that is because uh, they've built up this collection of so many different weapons over the years, and they all play pretty differently. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I would, I would say, don't give up on that yet. Try some of the other weapons. Maybe try and get a little farther in, where he gets to some of the more interesting monsters, and uh, see if it grabs you at some point. Which it may not, mm-hmm. and that's okay. I was about to say, after my dislike of Monster Hunter, this is the last time I show up in the Q and A. No. Uh, not, you, are, playing. you are not alone in that. I don't think either. <laughs> I think uh, I'm pretty sure I'm still the I don't dislike one. Monster Hunter. I'm just yeah. asleep right now. Uh, I'm sorry. I've put everyone to sleep by 
digesting <laughs> monster. Don't worry, I'll, don't worry, I'll do this. I'll pay you back with interest with Yakuza. Okay, all right, but uh, let's move on from that before I start talking about Monster Hunter more. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say this conversation has gone on for quite a while now. Yes, I apologize. Yes. Okay, and, next question. Yes. <laughs> quick, quick. Uh, from uh, Joshua Carpenter fellow staff member, why did I just spend 250,000 yen in Yakuza Kiwami on pocket car parts? How awesome will it be to punch tigers in HD later this year with Yakuza Kiwami 2? Also, at this point, will Sega just keep upgrading 3, 4, and 5 between other Yakuza releases? Yakuza! I'd say the uh, okay, one. upgrading to oh, the okay. point where that finally just doesn't make any sense to. So that means all the older ones probably, but 5, 4, or 5 maybe not. Like, 3 is the latest I could see them going, and I don't even see them doing Yakuza Kiwami 3. That seems unlikely to me. At least not for a couple more years until they switch to the next generation of console and they really want to grade up everything again. Yeah. I just feel like it'd be more likely that they would just release a collection of those rather than properly remake them. Uh, as for why you spent a bunch of money trying to beat Pocket Circuit Fighter, it's because beating Pocket Circuit Fighter is hard, man. <laughs> It's especially important because, like, if you get to, if you if you are transferring data from Yakuza Zero to Kiwami to Six, like, you'll get to see more and more Pocket Circuit Fighter because Six kind of positions itself as the end of a trilogy of Zero, Kiwami, and Six, and so it references a lot of side quests from Zero and Kiwami. Uh, I don't know why I did all of the Pocket Circuit racing either. Um. Let's see, how awesome will it be to punch tigers in HD later this year? Yeah, uh, Kiwami, uh, Yakuza 2 might be my favorite, and I'm really glad to be getting Kiwami 2, because some of the things that happen in that game are absurd, and punching a tiger in the face is one of them. <laughs> it's, uh... It, it's such some a, taking... It, it's such, the, such a kind of thing that you would expect from the series. Actually, I would expect it yeah, more from the, from the Fist of the North Star variation, but yes... Well, like, 2 is them starting to get really, really crazy, because Yakuza 1, in its original unadulterated form, has crazy scenes, but it's never that kind of crazy. But then, like, Yakuza 2 has that scene where you're just essentially running up a, running up a building, being, like, doing a beat-em-up game's entire plot in one area, and so you get, like, you get attacked by a tiger, and like, oh, ha ha ha, the dragon of Dojima is fighting a tiger, ha ha ha, but... It's, uh, like, 2 is also the only one where they, like, give Kiryu someone who's supposed to be, like, evil Kiryu, and so that's kind of a fun character to have him fight against. Uh, like, like 2 is really good, and the addition they seem to be making of it, like, the Majima bonus scenario seems fun. I'm into that. I'm very interested in Kiwami 2. I'm glad that it's coming out August 28th in the United States. Please pre-order it. I did. I beg You're of you. You're welcome. I know. Listen, you wanted the steelbook. Uh, it's true. Oh, it's damn yeah, true. It's, 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 uh, despite being called Kiwami 2, it is made in the Yakuza 6 Dragon Engine rather than the uh, Yakuza 0 de derived engine that Kiwami used. So uh, that means... Say what? Is this a grade up? Yeah, basically, like... Kiwami is the last one that was a PS3 and PS4 dual release, and it, it's because that engine supported it, and 
uh, 6 is the first that's just PS4 only. Like, there's no last-gen version of this engine, uh, like, entirely from the ground up rethink. So, like, essentially, they've, they've done a lot to streamline, like, loading in new areas, and they did a lot to sort of, like, make the game a little more seamless. And so, like, it, there's some nice things that are just quality of life. Like, oh, if you're standing in front of something, the game has a lot less invisible walls, so you can just hop over, like, waist-high obstacles. And, like, when you get into a fight, the game just transitions straight into a fight rather than having you sit through a loading screen or anything like that, so... It's just a nice technological upgrade. There's also a first-person mode for some reason. I think it was supposed to force the designers to model everything rather than getting lazy. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, like, Kiwami 2 uses the Dragon Engine. Uh, it isn't... It is not actually the last... Uh, they have not actually entirely abandoned the Zero-derived engine because uh, Hokuto Gagotoku actually uses that engine because it apparently supports more enemies on screen at once, and that's what they wanted for that game. But they used an updated version of that engine. Say what? It's kind of what you need for something like Pissed of the North Star. Yeah, like it was was a smart choice to pull back. If the hero is not just blasting through a small army of mooks, then you're doing something wrong. Yeah. Like, like looking at Hokuto uh, footage is one of those things where it's like, I've never seen this many enemies in a Yakuza game. It's crazy. It's just like, oh, here's like... 20 people all surrounding him, and it's just like one, two, bam, dead. <laughs> Which is how it should be with Fist of the North Star. Oh man, that's that also reminds me of one of my favorite I'm just going to mention my favorite visual touch from Hokuto, which is that like you can punch an enemy and like they'll sometimes get like the the kanji that like, or like the it might just be katakana in that case, for just like it, the sound effect of them starting to burble up and explode from the manga. And those things will fall on the ground and you can hit enemies with them. <laughs> it's very silly. But, uh... Yeah, so Kiwami 2 got an English announce, and I hope that Hokuto is soon to follow. Like, they released in the order of six Kiwami 2 Hokuto in Japan, so hopefully that's what they do in English. It's good, I promise. <laughs> Six might not be the best jumping on point, but Kiwami 1 and 2 would be good jumping on points for anyone involved. I doubt they do Kiwami 3, but like that's the last one they do if, if they do any more. They could do and Kiwami just... Zombie. <laughs> oh, don't, don't do that game again. Don't do that game again. <laughs> there's there's good things in that game. Yeah, that's the Kiwami title. Like the the best thing the best thing that happens in uh, Dead Souls slash of the end is that freaking there's a bit where like they pretend like Majima has been infected. Oh, spoilers for this game with a not terribly interesting story from like eight years ago. Mm-hmm. There's a bit where they pretend that Majima has been uh, infected because he gets bit and he starts like uh, you know like getting all like you know he starts showing signs but like the turnaround at the end is that he had been bit by a old like an old zombie's dentures so he hadn't actually been infected and two the reason he looked like he'd been infected was like his allergies were acting up (laughs) (laughs) oh Oh, dear 
Dead that Souls has good parts in it. Seriously. Dead Souls was the other place where they felt like they could really go nuts with like who they were going to bring in, because they also were like, well, like we can bring in characters who aren't alive anymore. So they brought back one of the villains from a prior game and gave him like a freaking laser gun arm. So it's, it's quite a game. I haven't played a Yakuza just, game yet. You should. Uh, play? I, I recommend Zero as the jumping on point. It does not assume you've played prior ones, so... Uh, otherwise, Kiwami is super cheap at this stage. Even, like, Kiwami launched at $40 and is now, like, easy to find at 20 new. Probably even cheaper. Uh, Kiwami 2, I should point out, is also launching at a reduced p price. Less reduced than Kiwami 1, but still $50 rather than 60 so... New. My issue, though, is I... And it's just sometimes to my demise is starting from the first and playing through the entire series. <laughs> well, that's what that's why Kiwami is a remake of the first. Yep, that would be my probably my starting point. Yeah, uh, Zero is designed to be played with Kiwami again, like it's a prequel, so it kind of assumed like it was done after Five because Five was so late laden down with continuity that they were having issues introducing new players to it. So Zero is meant to be kind of like a, here's an easy jumping on point, and it transitions straight into a remake of the first game. So Compare some, w w describe some of the, is it kind of a lot of mini-games? To me it always seems uh, like uh, Shinmu or something. Like a more no, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. So, so Yakuza takes the thing about Shenmue that people liked, which was going around like a, like really deep, like to an extent, a detailed like city that is, you know, well, in Shenmue, it was like a more rural Japan area, but in Yakuza, it's like a fake uh, district of Tokyo. And it does have a lot of activities you can do. But, like, the core, core gameplay is still essentially, like, a, a beat-em-up RPG. Mm. Like, there are a lot of other things you can do. Like, in Zero, you have the Real Estate Royale, or the, uh, which is just, like, a, like, take-over-the-town management sim minigame, or the Cabaret Club management that's in both Zero and Kiwami 2, uh, or, like... Just a lot of other silly things that exist just to make the game a little more, like, lighthearted. Because the main story will often be, like, very self-serious. But then, like, your character goes off and sings karaoke real badly. But there's also just a lot of, like, oh, I went around the corner and there's, like, a crazy person dragging me into a completely bizarre, unrelated side quest about, like, this guy that wants to go to all of the, like... He wants to find, like, all of the porn in this town of Japan, and, like, he's gonna, like, ask you if you found all of it, and, like, recommend you energy drinks to sur to survive long porn binges. That's a side <laughs> question, yeah, because of zero. That's how you, that's how you make it so you can buy the... This is, this is how you make it so that you can buy the best healing item in the game, because it fully restores your, like your health and special meter, you get it by, like, helping this man find all of the porn in frickin'... forget which town that one's in. But, yeah, like, it's... 
it's full of nonsense like that, or like there's a, but like they're they're full of just completely insane side stories like that that will often, or like Zero has a side quest where you help a fake Steven Spielberg and a fake Michael Jackson film a fake version of the Thriller music video by having him dance through the streets while people who have been pay, paid to act like zombies try to maraud him. <laughs> and your job is to beat them up so that he can successfully finish dancing. It's, uh... Yakuza is definitely of a type. <laughs> yes. And, and I'm just thinking of other things that that particular director has made it, from Sega. Oh, yeah, yeah. He did, uh... It's Ogashi, I think, isn't it? He, he did Hero Bank. Hmm. I remember him mostly from, like... I looked up his, like, entire... Uh... His, his entire, like... Uh... Let's see... What's his... I'm misremembering his name. Whatever. It's been... They've, like... He's an old-timey Sega dude, from what I can recall. Uh, but yeah, like the game does. The games do have a lot of mini games and such, but like underneath it, they're also very competent, uh, if like completely absurd after a while, uh, like mobster slash mobster story slash beat 'em up. So. Worth your time if you like them from any of those angles. I'm still trying to find. Okay, oh, uh, yeah, it was it was Toshihiro Nagashi Nagoshi. How much of an RPG is it? They like your character has like levels that determine what abilities and skills they have, mm -hmm. and like. Especially in... Uh, so, like... Essentially, you upgrade your fighting style by leveling up and finding, like, these masters that teach you new abilities that... Uh, like, yeah. they'll give you mo special moves and such that you can use. But there's also, like... You, you can buy or find equipment that will, like, reduce damage or, you know, temporary weapons and such. But, like, it's, a, it's about as much RPG as, like, I'd say something like... It's like a modern River City Ransom with, mm. you know, continued, like, updates, upgrades from there. But basically, what about, like, God of War? Like, that same idea. It is more RPG than that. Okay. Because then you could level up your skills and your, your weapons and such and that. Yeah. It's more RPG than that, I would say. Because there's, there's inventory management as well. Okay. But, uh, yeah. Uh... It's just but one of those things where, like... Oh, good. The combat's all skill-based, though. Uh, mostly, action yeah. Action-based. Like, okay. you... Yeah, you know, it's action-based. There's definitely some stuff that's, like... You know, like... Getting getting some of the more... the Learning some of the better abilities is just really important for things like... Uh, especially you want to try to find whoever will... Whether it's... Like, some games you learn new abilities by like finding masters that will teach them and sometimes you learn them by just leveling up but like you definitely want to do things like you need to level up long, far enough to get things like uh, better dodges are generally very important things like that mm 
Yeah, I, I recommend it if anyone's uh, on the fence about it. Again, several of the really good ones are fairly cheap now. Zero and Kiwami are both uh, not too hard to come by. I've talked about this too much, I apologize. No worries, we, we got to sit through Monster Hunter, now we get to sit through Yakuza. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just doing my 3DS going, okay, we'll finish eventually. I swear it was interesting to me. <laughs> oh, no, it sounded really interesting. I just had absolutely no context. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, what? Aside from one time playing the demo for for Yakuza Six, I think it was the or five. Of Which one was one with the multiple main characters? That would be probably five. Okay. Four and five both have a lot of main characters. Well, you live in Japan, right? So it's like real life Yakuza for you every day. Well, thankfully not, because you actually... <laughs> <laughs> so, it's like, not, I, did, like... I did have a couple of co-workers who had a very interesting birthday night out in Rapongi one year. Ooh. So. Oh, no, it was all good. It sounds it's like a nightmare. This really friendly gentleman at the bar who, when he heard it was their mutual birthday, he, had, uh, he bought them a round of drinks, and then he ended up taking them around multiple bars in town and getting them the best seats for practically free. Oh, nice. Yes, this and man it, has uh, suspicious connections. <laughs> yes, it, it finally dawned on their gin-soaked brains by the end that this was going a little too well. And I think he was like part of the Sumi Yoshigumi or something. When they finally, <laughs> when he finally uh, actually told them more about himself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And hey, if you're if you're like me and have ever wanted to punch Beat Takeshi in the face, I feel like Yakuza Six will probably give you that wish. I mean, we're just taking his stage name quite literally, Beat Takeshi. Go on. Yeah, <laughs> I do wish to beat Takeshi. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so you know, I I will continue to evangelize for that series literally every time I get the chance. So mm -hmm. let's let's wrap this up so that I don't continue. <laughs> Okay. Uh, do we have anything completely different on topic? Uh, no. And we have burnt through all of our questions, including the freshly provided ones. Cool. Freshly so what are we playing questions. right now? What are we playing right now besides Yakuza and Monster Hunter? Uh, I finished playing Radiant Historia again. That was fun. Cool. I need to play that. It's good. Monster Hunter Stories? <laughs> I guess that's not the same Monster no, Hunter. I am also playing uh, Radiant Historia. Nice. Playing Into the Breach. What part are you at? Uh, oh, I've heard that's good. It is good. I am in, like, the first chapter of Radiant Historia. You're, you're in for a long... Which difficulty did you choose? The hard one. Mm. Of course you did. You're in for another 40 hours. Sweet. Uh, I'm also <laughs> My one problem with writing... Oh, good. I was just going to say, I'm also playing Children of Mana, which is... Mm. Continues to be Children of Mana. <laughs> uh -huh. Continues to going? live exactly to your expectations. Exactly. But hey, the oh, music, also, the music oh, is still yeah. good. What? I'm also playing Warsong. How's that? For RPG Backtrack. Uh, I've played it a long time ago. 
And then I liked it. I'm playing it again. It's pretty good. It starts off good. It's starting to get a little old. That is the, um... It's like Shanks. Yeah, that's... Yes, 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 yes. I wouldn't say it's... It's it's kind of similar to, like, Dragon Force, but a very... Um... Like a combination between Dragon Force and, like, a Shining Force. But you you have eight commanders, basically. You get... They're your only RPG aspects they level up, but it's very... The leveling system is very basic, and they can bring troops with them in the battle. And the troops, you know, are just kind of fodder. And there's kind of like a trinity uh, rock, paper, scissors system. Fire emblem-ish. It it didn't age as well as I remembered it did, but it's still fun. But, yeah. Cool. Uh, and what are you playing on your 3DS over there, sir? Oh, I just booted up Tales of Innocence last night. Oh, God, why? I'm so sorry. At least it's not Tempest. Hey, I already beat Tempest. It's true. I, I'm yeah. going, I'm trying for all four, you know. I've I've played the good, the bad, and the froggy, so I might as well play the, uh, play the average now. Do you play all of your games in Japanese, or do you play some in English as well? Well, it's a question of can I get them in English, and right now, the last DS game I bought in English, Wheels is currently playing. Mm. <laughs> that was a while ago. <laughs> what would you say your percentage of Japanese to English games are? Oh, let's say a, a percentage, like 90-something percent Japanese. Okay. So, is that your preference, or do you prefer to try to get them in English if we can? Um, a lot of the stuff I've played never came out in English. Mm-hmm. I have seen that. Uh, yeah. The Metal Max series, for example. Yeah, that's just as an example. Not again. Plus, um, <laughs> we're not. No, I'm. I'm not going to derail the entire conversation on another preferred game for the third time tonight. No. Um, uh, wait, wait, what was the third time? <laughs> no, this would be the third. Oh, time. It's, oh, right, right, uh, right. <laughs> uh, but no, it's it's mostly a question of either price. Like I got Innocence here for three or four bucks. Mm. And the fact that um, I think the only thing I have right now that is multi-region capable that is still working, okay, my Game Boy SP and my Vita. Those two can play English games. My 3DS cannot. Right. At least not for 3DS games. I'm kind of jealous. Incredibly and and anything, anything at all, all that I order off of eBay is going to be stuck with a minimum of $17 shipping and handling because of their international fees. Mm. So, yeah. All those incredibly desirable English Vita games. Yeah. I, I can get everything I want. In, actually, the only one that I, thing I wanted that I couldn't get in Japanese, hey, Wheels already sent it to me. So thank you, Wheels. Yeah, what about West, Western RPGs? You, you don't like those? Um, I hardly ever get a chance to play them. Mm. Um, I don't think those like, localized that often. I mean, I've played several on Steam now. Yep. Yeah. And I'm, would Codename Steam count as Western developed or not? Because it's no, I was intelligent systems. Yeah. I don't know just the the writing at least was insanely Western. Um, yeah, it might have had its script written in English first. It definitely had its script written in English. I can tell you that right now just from listening to the English script, English side. Wow. Um, 
But yeah, I think it was still developed by intelligent systems. So, yeah. um, for, for some reason, Dragon's Dogma decided to play in English when I got it. Mm, that's <laughs> strange. Yeah. It, I guess, both. Sa- um, I mean, it was all on the same disc anyway, and it read that my PlayStation Three was set for English as a default language, so it just went with that. Huh? Yeah. It was like, cool. I was not expecting this. I wish all games did that. <laughs> yeah. I was kind of annoyed that Secret of Mana didn't do that, but yeah. And, uh, I mean, obviously I could play any of the recent Pokemon games in English if I wanted to, but the last one I played was XY, and I played that one in French. Would you say you're <laughs> just as fluid in Japanese as English? Or is it no, still I just know lots of very strange kanji and random vocabulary in Japanese. <laughs> I'm, I mean... Video games use a very peculiar subset of Japanese. <laughs> yes. I mean, when I... I mean, many years ago, I just decided to go watch the Zoroark mo- uh, Pokemon movie. And I actually managed to understand the entire plot even when they were talking about the books of prophecy and space-time continuum dysfunction. <laughs> <laughs> I could recognize the words. I'm like, oh crap! I've been playing too many video games. <laughs> so I only know anime Japanese. <laughs> it, that largely works, but um, yeah, mostly. It's fun trying to play. It was fun one day trying to look up like kanji that were appearing in Japanese Ace Attorney games. It's a nightmare. Oh yeah, especially if it's. Um, somebody's name yeah oh there's there's that but there's also just like i don't have a lot of reason to like most uh things that try to teach you japanese don't have a lot of reason to teach you courtroom words even if like the game isn't really spoken like a super off the wall manner it's just like oh i don't have a lot of reason to know like forensic reports i love it all about it uh, enjoy courtroom Japanese. <laughs> now enjoy it with a thin veneer of being written uh, with a thin veneer of pretending it's the 1800s. <laughs> oh, just um, imagine somebody doing it the opposite way and trying to translate um, British courtroom English with all of its courtly French into Japanese. Oh, like, oh, oh yay! Oh yay! What the heck is that supposed to mean? <laughs> I remember looking up the names of some of the characters in later parts of Daigyakuten Saiban, and they're truly amazing because the the they're English names that are designed to turn into puns when transliterated into Japanese. <laughs> yes, yes. The... Just, just looking at some of the commentary for the translators on those games is really fun. Yeah, but like they st- they've never. They have never shown any impetus to attempt to release Daigakuten Saiban in English, in English, which I hope changes one day, but I don't, I don't suspect it will. But they sure, they sure wrote out that like, well, it's a bunch of, it's a bunch of Japanese people in the 1800s who went to England, and we've got jokes here. <laughs> Also, a famous author is the victim of one of the cases. Which uh, would produce issues if they tried to actually 
released the game in English. Which author is that? Uh, it's a Japanese author. Yeah, Let me okay. look him up. He wrote a book called I Am I Am a Cat. Oh, him. Natsume Soseki. Yeah. He used to live around here. Quite famous. Wagahai Nickel. Yeah. Yeah. The most arrogant way of saying I'm a cat. <laughs> no. Nah, there's more arrogant ways. It's just that was a common pronoun used back in that time period. Ah. Uh, I mean, Japanese only has like 20 first person pronouns, and so you can There's so many of them. There's so many of them. Oh, yes. Yeah, so How do you like choose to say. <laughs> How you choose to say I means a lot about... It says a lot about what you're trying to say in the conversation. Yep. I mean, there's only like five of them that are commonly used in the language now. Yeah. Mainly because several kind of, of them several of them are status-locked for particular levels of society that no longer exist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which means you only ever see them in manga and video games. Someone just wanted the excuse to write them. <laughs> no, I mean, there's one that's specifically used by royalty. Yeah, I think there's one that's basically reserved for the emperor. Yeah, it's yo. And so you will. Um, that's the pronoun that the king uses in the Legend of Zelda games. Huh. Oh, that's kind of neat. Which is how I know it. <laughs> of course. That's neat, or, though. Uh, I like that. Or it gets even more fun with second-person pronouns like Nanji. Oh... That is that is what I have no idea what its original context was, but it's used as the biblical thou for the translations of the Bible. So the only time you will ever see it is when an angel is talking down to you in a video game. <laughs> uh, I probably see that one a lot in Shin Megami Tensei. Yes, that and Chimi, which is a which is a like a mute um, like a kind of a slurred version of a much more common second person pronoun but it's only used by hmm. monsters <laughs> and again I think you use those second person pronouns less in Japanese anyway yeah I mean it's uh, almost always direct name address yeah unless you want to make some oh, well. statement Oh. Hmm. Ooh, there's something big. Hmm. Okay, I'm trying... Yeah, Tales of Innocence could really use like one of those little arrows that show you where you're going on the map. Because I've gotten lost so many times now, I have no idea, and I just ran into a very large turtle. <laughs> which I hope is not going to kill me. Alright, well I guess we should wrap things up. Oh, Wheels, need to ask, have you been reading anything? No. My reading time was going to be over the weekend. I'm just going to yell at you. My my reading time was going to be over the weekend and my son got sick, so... Yeah. Okay, but I'm going to yell at you every single day now, so... You should, it just... uh... I'm not going to yell at you too vociferously, but I am going to say, hey, maybe... I would love if to be reading. Got time. Do, do Instead of Monster reading. Hunter. 
like I said, if you've got time, instead of Monster Hunter, perhaps consider book. Well, I'm going to be on the backtrack tomorrow talking about Monster Hunter, though. I'm not sure if you're screwing with me at this stage. I am being completely honest. I he hate is. you. <laughs> Which Monster Hunter exactly? Just go ahead, plug the backtrack. Four. I think it's just four. That's not even that old! <laughs> it's, uh... At least three years old. Okay, I guess it's up to them what's old enough. I mean, Godspeed. Whatever, whichever one they're covering, I, you know, I can, I can help out. So, it doesn't really matter to me. <laughs> like next time, like one day we'll meet up in person again, and I'm just gonna like suplex you into a pile of PS2 Monster Hunter One copies, destroying all of them, <laughs> and you. Violent altercation is the only end to this. But yes, I will. I am going to do some reading this week, hopefully, because uh, it looks like we're going to get some damn snow this week in the middle of March. Hooray! It's, yeah, yay? Question mark. Anyway. Okay. We should end this. So are are we actually finished yet, or? I have not turned off the recording. Uh, you can send questions oh, the way on the forums. Uh, yada, yada, yada. Uh, Twitter. Ask Wheels. Um, things, stuff, questions. Send us your pitches. What, what, was I, what was the thing again? Oh yeah, send us your pitches for literary characters that would star in a sequel to Codename Steam. <laughs> okay. Yes, you missed that. You were away. Yeah, I, I, I believe that. And yeah, that's all. We. Um, it's the best part of the podcast. John, you have anything to pitch? To pitch. Um, plug. Plug promote. Oh well, yeah. I got a Super NT recently, and I recommend people who are have old Super Nintendo cartridges and want to play them nicely on a uh, 1080p monitor or, or a TV to get one or look into it. It's a really cool device. Okay. For those. Now, to you, it would be pretty expensive to get that out in Japan. Possibly. I mean, there's yeah. similar items over here. Yeah. Well, this is an FPGA, so it's not just a regular clone as in, like, you know, like a, the Retron or uh, what's that one over in Japan that they uh, that has all the different modules? I can't remember the name of it now. The Retro Freak, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah Retro Freak sounds right. This is a, those are kind of emulation-based where this is a, those aren't kind of, they are emulation-based where this is a hardware kind of recreation using an FPGA. So, I mean, it's... To some people, they wouldn't know the difference. To be honest, uh, there's some latency issues, but it it looks beautiful on the TV. So I uh, I really enjoy it, and I I had always kind of wanted uh, one of the analog, the NT, the little NT Mini, which is the NES, you know, with the polished aluminum, all that. But they're like four hundred and fifty, five hundred dollars, and that was just way too much to spend for something like that. 
But they got the Super NT at 180, 190. Uh, for what it is and what it does, it's it's much more in the realm of. Yeah, I can get that, even though I know it's still pretty expensive for a lot of people. So, but it's pretty it's pretty cool. I've been I've been playing on that. So this is my plug. Cool, sweet. That's good. All right, and hey. I believe that is that. And we will see you next time. Thanks for having me. No problem. Great. You've got a friend in me. You've got a friend in me. When the road looks rough ahead and you're miles and miles from your nice warm bed. Just remember what you're...